The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The surging O's are in first place in the American League East, having a great weekend against the Rays this past weekend. We'll talk about them. We'll talk about a little tiny trade that just happened uh, between the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Um, And we'll talk about just a lot of things that are catching our eye, as well as the decline of trades in fantasy baseball. All that coming up on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy po- Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke, and we're going to be talking a lot about the surging or surging Orioles on this podcast. I can't talk today; that's really good for a podcast. Um, Fred, how are you? I'm good, and I have full use of my voice and all my language options. So maybe maybe I can carry us if you start if you can't find the words today. Yes, I'm. I'm you're going to carry me even more than you usually do. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, there you go. Uh, I, part of that is, I swear, I mean, just my head does spin this right this time of year. We got training yeah. camps opening in football. I cover football. You do too. So you know how that goes. Yeah. Um, and then you know, got uh, a lot of life stuff going on. I got the AYSO national championships this week, uh, and I'm just doing a lot of driving back and forth. Uh, let's jump right into it though. The Baltimore Orioles are surging in a big, big way right now. Uh, they, they just passed uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, who we thought, you know, had the biggest lead in baseball for the longest time, and they just ran them down. And now they're up two and a half games on the uh, Rays. Uh, they're 62 and 38, 24 games over 500. Uh, they've won three in a row, including a, a couple of those against said Rays. Um, and, you know, they're, they're just playing great ball, despite having a starting pitching staff that nobody's afraid of. Yeah, I mean, the Orioles, they're on a bit of a roll. I think the bigger story here is the, to me, is the tumble of the Rays. Probably. Um, for, for example, when I pull up just Google the uh, AL standings, the Orioles are seven and three in their last 10. The Twins are actually eight and two. Um, there's a couple other seven and threes in there, a few six and fours. It's the Rays at three and seven who are tied for the worst team in their last 10 games uh, in the American League. So the fact that the Rays are tumbling to this degree is not shocking to me, but. Um, but like a little surprising, I guess, I think we, I think I felt all along like this, there would be some reverse, you know, reversal of the Rays' great fortune in April, Mm -hmm. um, that they wouldn't just run away with things. I just don't think that's a roster that runs away with things. Good for them for on their budget, having a playoff team, probably, I wouldn't say it's assured at this point, but probably, um, but 
yeah, the Orioles, uh, yeah. The, the, I think the neat thing about the Orioles is, like, they, they think they're proving this year, like, they are for real. Like, they last year, they they took a step up. Yeah. Um, this year, they've taken another another step up, and they took it up a bit early, and now they're continuing it. So, I think they're showing, you know, that this roster is actually really good. It is. And it's so funny because I was critical of this team heading into into the season because of their lack of activity, namely in yeah. getting pitching uh, in the offseason. And maybe one of the things that I was wrong about is just the options that were available to them. Uh, that they're, it might it might have been a forcing the issue by going after some of the bigger names that just haven't maybe been as great. Um, and you know, meanwhile, a lot and, and underestimating the current options that they had, like you know, Dean Kramer, who's, you know, I'm not high on at all. And, you know, his, his numbers aren't even that great. 459, 131, but he seems to be getting the job done. Maybe he's just really good at getting run support, which means he, it's not a skill. It's just something that's happened. Uh, Grayson Ruiz has, hasn't even done a whole lot for this team. And what he has done has been pretty awful until this, you know, his recent call up, he's been better, uh, you know, better in his second start than his first, but not dominant yet. Yeah, you know, we're expecting, okay, if the O's make a run, it's because Grayson Rodriguez is just going to catch fire. That's not something that happened. No, and I, when I do look at some of the advanced statistics, like they do make me wonder if this is just a run by the Orioles and maybe not completely sustainable. Like, for for example, the Orioles this season, Team OPS, they're 11th. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you might think they've been hot in July, so they've been better in July. Well, they haven't. They've actually been 18th in the majors. So they're hitting, they're below slightly, but basically an average hitting club in July. Um, they're pitching this season. Their team ERA is, is below the midpoint in baseball. Now this month it's fourth um, with a three fifty two ERA. So I think that's maybe help. But when I look at the list of pitchers, like I'm not sure it's been great bullpen work for them primarily um, during this winning streak. Like just say during July, um, Tyler Wells, not good. Kyle Gibson, not good. Like you said, Grayson Rodriguez is back. Like he's been passable barely. Like when he's been back, um, they had Cole Irvin in the rotation at one point. He could go back in it at some point. Kyle Bradish has been legit good. Uh, Dean Kramer has been the epitome of an innings eater. Yep. That's it. Like even, and and it's not like advanced stats make it look a little better. I mean, they have, and, and, the last 30 days, 380 team ERA, FIP is yeah. 396, XFIP yeah. 403, Sierra four, f- even four. So, I mean, it's not like, yeah, it's, you know, and I, I just, maybe some of this is opponent based. Maybe some of this is just that, I mean, they, they've been scoring a ton of runs. I would like to see them still add another pitcher or two uh, cool. at the deadline. And they might, yeah. they very well might this time. Uh, I, they certainly have the prospect capital to pull something off. The question is, do they think that they have the desire and do they, you know, you know, is there a trade out there? I mean, it's, you know, there, there's got to be pitchers out there they think can improve them. And, you know, there, there has to be a deal there. Uh, you know, I, I, I do think they're getting contributions on the offense aside from guys that weren't earlier. Like Gunnar Henderson has been a lot better lately, for instance. Yeah. Yes. And when I look at their, like, you can often see, you know, who's obviously you can see who's performing well by their fantasy stats. So, uh, Gunnar Henderson is the only Oriole, at least at the Yahoo ranking system. He's the only Oriole in the top 140 in the last 30 days. Um, Anthony Santander is just outside the top 140. And then they're the only two in the top 200. So it's not like in the last month, 
anyone else is really like Cedric Mullins is on the IL. Aaron Hicks wasn't playing well after a hot start. He's on the IL. Um, Jordan Westberg's just a guy like he's like, he's not embarrassing himself, which is fine, but he's not really moving the needle. Adam Frazier had a bit of a rough patch kind of bounced back a bit lately, but he's Adam Frazier. I love Adley Rushman. Like I think just like Adley Rushman reminds me of like a JT rail mute or someone where not totally for fantasy. I'm just saying like a guy who like a catcher who can log a huge workload hit high in the lineup. So he gives that team, they don't have that catcher, you know, drain at the bottom of their lineup all the time. And can be productive, um, but and he's fine. He's consistent all year. Um, last three days, Ryan Mountcastle one homer. It was last night. <laughs> it was a big one. Um, yes, but I, I think this is just a team that's winning close games. Uh, Felix Batista in July is second in the majors in saves, and and he hasn't gotten all of them because they've needed enough. Seattle Perez got one last night um, because they've had to string together. They're, I think the Orioles are a good team. It's just on a great run of winning one and two run games right now. Yeah, I, I agree with the uh, in the comment. Uncle Ted and Joel were saying uh, the bullpen is just awesome, too. And that's been great. one of the things, yep. uh, you know, Batista has been great. Cano's been great. They get Perez has had a bounce back the last month or so. Uh, they've had uh, other guys that are, are kind of stepping up here and there. Brian Baker's had a good stretch, not consistent the whole time. Cologne uh, has yep. been pretty solid as well. Uh, and they've kind of patched that bullpen together. No, you know, there's no expensive names there. There's no big names. It's not like they went out and got a uh, trademark closer. They they made one um, in Bautista. And the mountain is awesome. I mean, he is that he is that guy. The funny thing is, you know, like, okay, they got this boost from young guys. No, Westberg, you mentioned, no. just got his first homer. Colton Kowser. You want to talk about a guy that's really struggled. He has provided nothing so far. Yeah. 128, 286, 154. I, I had some bids in on Kowser, thought it was a nice prize, thought he was a pretty good, you know, that he was a pretty good injection of uh, talent, and he's really struggled a little bit there. Not necessarily striking out a ton, uh, seven walks, nine Ks, uh, but, you know, he, he's just not hitting the ball with any sort of authority either, though, and that that's kind of problematic, to say the least. Uh, his ISO is 026, not 260, but 026. Uh, that, that's not paying the bills. Uh K percentage, uh, it, it, it's low, 18.4. So it's not that he's not hitting the ball. He's just not hitting it hard. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Gunnar Henderson, that he's a big – now, he from a fantasy perspective, he's a great example of why you stick with, at least on your bench, younger players who are struggling at the beginning of the season because he really yep. struggled out of the gate this year and then has been their best hitter lately. Uh, yeah, when I look at this team, like I don't think they necessarily go all in the one guy I could see making a lot of sense from if they did want to go all in to me might be Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. Um, right. Because if I'm right, he, they have him would have him this year and next year. That's right. So he fits in the sense of they'll be good again next year. Um, and they have Ryan O'Hearn as their first baseman and cleanup hitter right now, like right. Goldschmidt in that spot or Goldschmidt maybe up to third and Santander down to fourth would make a huge difference. Um, alternatively, they could, you know, pick up the, one of the Kyle Hendricks or Jordan Montgomery types to round out that rotation. I feel like the Orioles are in a position because it looks like they're going to be good for several years now. Maybe this isn't the year they go like all in, maybe they don't go for a Goldschmidt this year, but if they do go for someone this year, like a Goldschmidt, I think it, it isn't a rental. Like I, like I know people have floated the, like they could trade for Otani thing. Uh, I just don't see it. Like, I just don't see them giving up that much prospect capital to just like right. let it all hang out this year with this pitching staff, even with Otani in it. 
I don't know. I just don't see that. So if it was someone they could get for more than one year, I think that would make some sense for them. And, right. and at a clear area need, because they're, they're not the same as your reds, but they're, they're similar in some ways where they're starting to have some positions where you can say like, okay, like they're set at shortstop. They're set behind the plate. Like there's a few positions where you can say that start to say that they're set. Not as many as your reds. Your reds are starting at some of the infield spots where you can really say, you know, we can trade our prospects. Like we've got a guy for years. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Goldschmidt, you know, it's like two months plus another year on top right. of that. So you have for so. two playoff runs. Right. And that might make a little bit more sense. I'd watch to see what the Padres do. Uh, lost yep. to the Pirates yesterday. They have some interesting guys that they, they could probably spin off. And, you know, they have a financial need all of a sudden with the Bally's TV deal falling apart. I think they're one of the teams that's been hurt the most by that, especially because they spent such a ton mm -hmm. this year. So mm -hmm. Padres might be one of those linchpin teams too. Josh Hader going somewhere would be big. Juan Soto is someone that could be huge on the trade market again uh, because he's not signed after 2024. Uh, they, you know, after that big deal, they didn't sign him to an extension that hasn't happened. Boris, uh, uh, Boris clients go to market. I mean, that's what they do. Uh, you can see some other guys possibly to get dealt uh, that, that to me is a interesting team, but, but the thing is they're still in it to win it. So they can, they got to be careful how much they trade off, but you know, haters seems like an obvious one. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do the, the not tear down, but just retool for next year. They just decide this isn't the year. Mm -hmm. um, they let Hater go at the very least, you know, as you said, maybe they let Snell go. Um, that would bring back something significant. Um, yeah, the, the, the Xander Bogart signing for them has not been good. Like he got off to a decent start. And since then there's a lot of people when they signed Bogarts who felt like, Oh, take him out of Boston and put him in San Diego. And that's not a good fit right. for his skill set. And so far they've been pretty right. Like he's got a 748 OPS, which is compared to his last few years, like, you know, close to a hundred points lower. And like I said, he got off to, he had an 883 in April. And then, so you take that out, he's probably about a 700 since then. They remind me a little bit of a fantasy baseball team. Like if you, where if you collect these pieces, it's to be great fantasy baseball roster membership and I, or uh, ownership. And I'm serious. Like, yeah. Oh, I got Darvish. Oh, we got Snell. We got Musgrove. Let's go get a stud closer. We got Hater. Hey, let's grab Xander Bogarts. He's really good. Like he's been good for years. He's famous. And we get him. And somehow the pieces just from a baseball perspective aren't totally clicking. So yeah, maybe a chance for them to not blow it up. Not maybe not let go of Soto or anything like that. But maybe they move a couple guys, maybe Snell and Hater. That would get them some significant prospects. Yeah, it would. And, it then, would. and then also clear space where they can decide what they want to do next year. No, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, you know, th that's a team that's definitely going to be, uh, one, one yeah. to track the angels, obviously, if they, I don't think they're going to sell off Otani. I don't, I, I thought, don't I thought I, uh, you know, two weeks ago I did. Now I don't. So that, that they, now all of a sudden the Padres become a significant player yeah. and not them. Yeah. I think the angels had to like go right into the toilet after Trout got hurt to make yeah. that happen where Trout gets hurt. They win, you know, in their last 10, they're six and four. I think if that was three and seven or two and eight, and they just was like, oh, like Otani can't do it alone. Um, then maybe not, maybe they would sell off, but I don't think, I don't think they're going to either. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about trades that have actually happened. The, uh, just before we went on, uh, went to uh, start the record, uh, the Dodgers brought back home, Enrique Hernandez or Kike Hernandez, depending on how you, which one you prefer. Um, if you're going to go Kike, make sure you get the uh, proper appropriate accent marks there. Uh, 
not hitting well so far this year, 599 OPS, but he's a former Dodger. Dodgers really need a right-handed bat that can play some outfield, and, and Hernandez can do that. Uh, if you look at his splits, traditionally he has been a lefty killer, you know, 790 yep. OPS against lefty since 2021, uh, 645 against right. Just don't expose him to right-handed pitching. I think that's really it. And the Dodgers have three starting left-handed outfielders right now with Mookie Betts playing the infield more often than not. Outman, Hayward, uh, Peralta. They need a right-handed bat. Yeah, that was. I thought a second base when they first acquired him. But you're right; it doesn't really matter. It's second, second base, base is fine too. Yeah, yeah, it could be second base, and it pushes bets into the outfield when lefties are starting, or it can be that Hernandez just goes in the outfield. But yeah, I mean, I was watching the Dodgers last night because so my Blue Jays were playing them, and yeah, they've got like some okay, like with Outman, Hayward, and Peralta, like those three left-handed hitters who all aren't good against left-handed pitching. You know, they, they've got a, like, those guys aren't great against right-handed pitchers, but at least they're passable. Yeah. Um, but they didn't have, so this is an, like a small trade, just a, kind of a, a piece to mix, mix and match throughout games. Um, I would say Hernandez will appear in a lot of Dodger games from this point forward. I'm not saying he will start a lot of Dodgers games, but between Peralta, Hayward, and Outman, um, depending on how they set them up in the batting order, you know, when a team then goes to the lefty, for those guys, then they can pivot to Hernandez. So I could see him playing in a lot of games going forward. Not having a lot of fantasy value, though. I don't think this will get him on the mixed league rosters. No, probably not. Uh, but NL rosters, it will. Yeah, uh, scarily sure. enough. Uh, in fact, the trades that have happened so far haven't really moved the needle uh, too much there. In fact, the Braves, you know, they they, they did a couple of minor deals there uh, to go out and buffer their bullpen. Uh, they they've added uh, Pierce Johnson. Uh, and then they added Taylor Hearn. You know, neither name is is going to wow you uh, there, but mm. it's going to add some depth to that bullpen. Yep. Johnson had lost his closer's job in Colorado. He and he earned that losing of the job too. He, he was getting knocked around, including by the Braves a little bit. But they just, I mean, they're having a hard time just keeping a number of arms healthy. They recently went out and got Yanni Chirinos too. Uh, so that kind of just shows you where they're at. Yeah, their offense is so good that it might not matter, uh, at least in a regular season since it won't matter. But you're right, like from a pitching perspective, as far as when they get to the postseason, we know how important, obviously, pitching is in the postseason. They're going to get Max Freed back at, at some point. Um, that'll be huge for them. You know, they need Strider, Freed, Morton. They need Bryce Elder to get going. He hasn't been pitched as well lately, which I think a lot of people saw coming. Uh, which is fine. Like, like he was probably pitching over his head for a while, but yeah, the Braves could probably use another starter. They probably don't really need any significant offensive pieces. So that helps for them where they can push their prospect capital, maybe into another starting pitcher here at the deadline. But yeah, so far we've just seen these little moves. No one really wants to pull the trigger on a significant trade yet because, you know, probably teams are wary. What if I don't get enough? What if I could have got a, a more in a few days, but as far as the Pierce Johnson go, if someone wants them and they got a prospect you're kind of interested in, then sure. Yeah. By the way, the fact that the Red Sox traded away Kiki Hernandez, I don't think indicates that they're selling off. Uh, they were going to have a roster crunch. Trevor Story's coming back soon. Yep. Um, they needed a. They they basically needed to find a way to get get him in there anyhow. Uh, that that solves that. They don't have to worry about a forty man roster spot because he's on the sixty day IL. Keep that in mind. Christian Arroyo's day to day right now. They've been playing Justin Turner a lot at second base. Uh, they can play Turner anywhere, obviously, but some first base. But Tristan Cassis has been playing very well lately. Uh, so Turner is off in the DH. But point is, they ha they they have that spot now. Uh, and Story's coming back very soon. 
And so this is basically clearing the way for that. He could, re- you know, there's, there's a possibility he returns as early as this weekend. Alex Cora was just saying today. So uh, that that's, and this, this actually, I mean, we have another week to see, but the Red Sox are two and a half games out of the wild card. They're still, they're considerably out in the, uh, the AL East, but I think the wild card in and of itself is a worthy goal for that team. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, best OPS in baseball in July is the Red Sox, sixth and sixth this season. So Kike and Kike Hernandez wasn't helping that lineup at all the way he was playing mm-hmm. this year. So um, yeah, I don't think this means that they're sellers at all. I think the Red Sox are going to hang around in the race. They need some pitchers to get back for them. Garrett Whitlock being, especially being one of them. But um, yeah, I think that I think that they are going to going to hang around in the race this year. I I mentioned that I think a week or two ago that I I kind of like the makeup of this team just as far as just being competitive Tristan Casas has started to hit home runs uh all yeah. against right-handed pitching but that's okay that's perfect you know that's when what to he play does you know when not to play him yeah as you mo- noted in our outline one of the top two hitters in July OPS uh yeah. which surprises a lot of people the other one's also surprised because he was slumping earlier uh and that's Wilson Contreras who you know has had a wild year you know he was told that he was a bad catcher you know was moved theoretically moved to the outfield but I don't really see that happening um it, it's funny. Um, yeah, it, it just it just shows kind of have to be calm about this stuff. Uh, things can turn around. Your guy Dalton Varsho had a big hit last night, but he had been really struggling before that. I heard him say that he's been one of the unluckiest hitters in baseball. He said that after the game, and I was like, uh, I don't know, Dalton. I watch all your games, and <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I'm not seeing that many times where I'm like, oh. Varsho got robbed like once in a while, but not any more than any of the other players on the team. So yeah, he just hasn't played well like this year at all. And it's been a really bad trade for the Blue Jays. And he's an interesting guy from, I know you and Scott uh, touched on him. He's an interesting guy from a fantasy perspective. His strikeout rate's actually pretty similar this year to, it's almost the same. His, his career strikeout rate, his walk rate, it's always been pretty crummy. It's about the same this year. Yeah. Um, Babip's not down much, a little bit. He's always been a low Babip guy. For a guy who can run, he's a low Babip guy because of the quality of contact. So um, he's an interesting guy because as a catcher, like whenever I would write articles or when I still write articles about the Blue Jays, um, you can't say to anyone to take him out of their lineup. Like he's a catcher with 12 homers and 12 steals. Like he's going to easily be 15, 15, could even be up near 20. Not next year. I know. That's where I was going with this. Like for this year, he's an absolute, like leave him in the lineup even hitting 215 because there just aren't many catchers. There aren't catchers out there with 24 combined homers and steals at this point in the season. So, I mean, I guess you could take him if you didn't need steals. And he plays. Like, he's going to finish the season with, I don't know, say a 65 to 70 runs in RBIs, which are in each category. It's it's good for a catcher. Um, But, yeah, next year when he's an outfielder, who I don't know. He's a like if you're looking at him as maybe a twenty and 50, 20 homer, fifteen steal. I'm thinking of projections for next year, two thirty batting average. Maybe they'll have him it's, catch next year because they're so tired of Alejandro Kirk. Who knows? That would be the only way. Would be if maybe if they move off Kirk. You're right. Yeah. If they move off Kirk, and but I don't know. I don't think that's he's. I, I think I forget the exact stat, but he's like first in the majors in defensive run saved in right field or something like that uh, you know outs above average in right field something like that anyways he's really good in a, in right field i don't see them i don't see them doing that even if they moved off kurt i could see them just getting a boring veteran catcher um to go behind danny jansen and varsho rarely catches um yeah. i think i think they like his defense in the outfield 
yeah, I don't know. He's got to hit better than this. It's been a, he's a big problem with why that lineup's underachieved this year. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, a guy that hasn't been a big problem lately is Chaz McCormick. Had a big night last night, walk off hit, six RBIs, uh, you know, 902 OPS. This is a guy that not only was he a, like cheap on draft day, he was freely, freely available the first two months of the season. He got hurt a little bit. That's part of it. And he wasn't playing every single day. But man, what a good season he's having. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can hear, you know, people saying, oh, it's just, he's just hot right now. Uh, you don't get an 902 OPS at the end of July just for, like unless you're out for a lot of the year just by being hot right now so april was 883 he completely stunk in may and then june's 869 and this month so far is 1216 but that's three out of the four months over 860 um that's pretty like pretty solid and a guy who steals bases will probably end the season with 15 to 20 steals i know a lot more players are getting you know some steals this year but 15 to 20 is nothing to sneeze at so even this season. So uh, yeah, he's really interesting. And he changes that lineup in my opinion, because like their lineup's been fine, but they are close to getting Altuve and Alvarez back. And you I'm put just going to say Altuve uh, and Alvarez in that lineup. And like, let's say you put them in the top two spots. Still got, now you got Kyle Tucker and Bregman, a Braves bounce back from a slow start to the season. To at least still has acceptable. a 645 OPS. For totally. This. It's he's still not least, even that good. No, well, on the season, it's not that good. I'll pull up, you know, what he's been lately. I feel like lately he's been a seven something. The yeah, last eight, 21 eight, days. Yeah. Last 21 days, 613 OPS. Okay. So he's come back down. He had an 821 in June and then yeah. a 717 so far in July. He hasn't been a total sink, I guess. It's all last. selective endpoints, is basically it what I'm trying to say here. Um, uh, I mean, anyways, you know, whichever one you look at, it, it frames your reference. But think how big it is that, uh, that, McCormick's had this year with Alvarez with the long-term absence Altuve yep. with two absences Bregman's been better lately absolutely uh, I'll give him credit uh he's up to 770 in his OPS for the season Jeremy Pena has got a 658 OPS and a 288 OBP uh you know Kyle Tucker is doing Kyle Tucker things he's awesome yep. uh so can't can't critique him in fact he's been better than last year 898 OPS uh you know you're he's paying the bills for them but they're really I mean you know they've been riding Corey Jolks, you know, a lot there. You look at some of the names on this roster. Yiner Diaz, we didn't know if he'd have a big impact this year. Bly Madras, uh, Mauricio Dubon's been playing every single day practically yeah. this year. They, they've they got uh, Gray Kessinger on his on their lineup right now. David Hensley. I mean, there, there's there's a this is not your Astros typical lineup. No, if if they can get good fortune and get Altuve and Alvarez back at the top of that lineup with Tucker and Bregman, mix them up however you want. Then McCormick maybe hitting fifth. If he keeps playing well, all of a sudden the lineup starts to look really good. You take a Brayu and Pena and you put them down six, seven at that point, you know, they're respectable down there. Um, and then whatever, eight, nine, like Diaz, like if Diaz can keep hitting, you know, between him and Maldonado, they can go kind of offense with Diaz and go defense with Maldonado, uh, you know, Jolks and Myers kind of split time after that, you know, all of a sudden to me, it starts to look like a decent lineup and that's assuming they don't get anything out of Michael Brantley. Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting. The two biggest run differentials in baseball, two of the three, I guess uh, the Rays are now third in run differential. The right. Rays have passed them finally. Uh, but the, the Rangers and the Rays have had some difficulties lately. I mean, Corey Seager is now on the IL. Uh, they're only two games up on the Astros. The Astros are only one game up on the third wild card, And, only a couple more after that for the, the first team out. 
point is, these teams are hardly set. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we opened talking about the hot Orioles. This was a great stat I saw in the Blue Jays game last night. The Blue Jays have the best record in the American League since May 26th. And that record was like 30 and 21, something like that. And yeah. then all of these other teams... It was a cool stat because Sportsnet put it up, you know, Blue Jays broadcast. And it's cool. Whatever. They've got I, when I saw it, I was like, God, I don't even feel like they've played well. How do yeah. they have the best record in the American League? And then when I looked, there's like six teams in the American League within like three games that like they're all moving along at the same, you know, winning percentage, 55 to 60 percent winning percentage. Uh, nobody has caught fire in the American League. And that's just what it told me in the past two months. No one has caught fire in the American League. Everybody's right. plotting along with a you know slightly better than five. All these teams with a slightly better than five hundred record. We're waiting for one of them to like really catch fire. The O's have really caught fire here in a, for a few days. We'll see if they can sustain it. But for all these teams, they seem to kind of catch fire for a few days and then peter back out. Um, yeah, Texas definitely looks like they're not set. Like you said, Seager's back on the IL. I mentioned John Gray in our notes. Like he really struggled last night. He hasn't pitched well lately at all. Um, that's a rotation that, you know, Nadia Valdi's the ace, who's not traditionally really an ace. And then behind them, there's like a lot of uncertainty. Like we're not sure where, where things are going with gray. Uh, there's no, there's no number two there that you can really count on Dane Dunning. Yeah. You know, you know, a lot of this is like, when do you catch the right part of the schedule? When do you get the face, yep. the Royals, the White yep. Sox, the, uh, the A's, obviously, and the Tigers? Royals, we've pointed this out a number of times. They're only one game better than the A's right now. Mm-hmm. A's have a historically bad run differential, negative 258, but the Royals are minus 167. I mean, that's, they're not messing around with their badness either. Uh, the Tigers are playing better ball, and they've got a better roster now than they've had in the past, but they're still minus 83 on the year. I mean, they're still a pretty bad team. Uh, still haven't scored 400 runs yet. Uh, 391 right now. The Royals are worse. The A's are worse. And I think that's it. Yep, that's it. Everybody else has got a four or higher in front of their run score this year. So uh, the A's, man, 364. I mean, they're just, it's just, and the A's, we know they're tanking. The Royals weren't trying to tank. No, that's why we mentioned that last week. That's why I think the Royals are the worst organization in baseball you can say the a's are because they're like corrupt because they're dismantling their team to move um so that's fine if you want to say they're like morally or something the worst that's fine but as far as the identifying baseball talent and putting out a good roster and building and all those developing players it's the royals like they they can't even be better really than a team that's trying to lose and when i look ahead on fantasy schedules i'm often looking at are there any teams that play both the royals and the a's in the next few weeks. It's like or, the jackpot. Yep. Right. And if you're in a head to head league, which we don't talk about a lot because that's not an industry standard, but for, there's a lot of head to head leagues out there, like start looking at which teams play the Ray or the Royals and which teams play the A's maybe or play one of them twice or play each of them once in the fantasy playoffs. If you're doing really well and you want to start stashing players now, I'd uh, add the white Sox too. Uh, they're 41 yeah. and 60, 12 and a half out in the AL central, which is the AL central. And they're yep. about to sell off. Yep. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be something where we're going to start to look at them and think that, okay, uh, in the national league, I target the Nats, although they, they, you know, they, they snuck up on the giants this past weekend. That was, you know, giants have now lost six in a row somehow, uh, after winning five, like five or six in a row, they're yep. just all over the place. Rockies, obviously for hitters, uh, for pitchers, you know, yep. it's still, I mean, it's still a, a mixed bag. I mean, they even had put up some runs on the road yesterday, but you know, more often than not, you can, you're safe there and the pirates and the pirates might sell off. Yeah. 
and the Cardinals. And the Pirates are off. really like if you take out April, the Pirates are like I would I would guess if if, I, if we took out April records, the Pirates are the worst team in the National League. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And in fact, so, I, I, I they're I, only four games ahead of that pace right now. That's with the whole season in, and they were much better, much better than the Rockies, for example, in April. So, um, yeah, I don't have like I said, I don't have that in front of me right now. But uh, the Rockies also. Um, their pitching this season has been so bad that not only is it terrible at Coors, but as far as road ERA, they're in the bottom two or three teams in baseball. So yep. the, the Rock, even just like the, even when the Rockies are on the road, just targeting hitters who are facing them. We've had other seasons where you'll look at the Rockies pitching staff and you'll be like, oh, you know what? On the road, they're kind of a league average pitching staff. It's at home. They just get pummeled. But this year they get pummeled everywhere. Yeah, Codify Baseball had an interesting stat the other day. Uh, it was after it was after uh, Luzardo had 13 strikeouts in his game, uh, and they they talked about like the it, how long it's been since a, a certain team has had a, a pitcher with 10 plus strikeouts. I saw that. Yeah, and it's amazing. You would not believe the the distance there. Uh, you know, Marlin. You know, the Marlins. You know, had one that day, so they're fine. But yeah. the the Rockies are like two. They're like two uh, standard deviations out from everyone else. It's been like 700 games since they've had a pitcher with 10 plus strikeouts. Think about that. I mean, you know, okay, Coors Field, fine. But what about on the road? They can't, they just can't, they can't get in. They can't develop these pitchers at all. Even at Coors, it's just shocking that like, even just once a year, you know, someone doesn't just catch lightning in a bottle and just strike out 10. Like they can't. Like Herman Marquez, that didn't happen once. Right. Yeah. That that's the one to me. I'm like, really? Because you know, he, for a while, he was a legit ace. You know, just stuck in a bad ballpark. Um, I mean, it, it it's really amazing. So here was the stat two days ago. Uh, it was days that since pitch, uh, since one of their pitchers had a 10 plus K's in the game, 701 for the Rockies. The next lo- next biggest A's and Cubs at 93. The Dodgers were next at 82. That was the other one that caught my eye. Yeah, that's that's surprising when you think of some of the pitchers they've had some of the pitchers they do have uh, this year. And yeah, it's surprising that they haven't had someone that Kershaw hasn't had a 10 strikeout game. Yeah. You know how we were talking uh, uh, earlier about frustrations with Blake Snell. And I think I talked about it with uh, Nick Pollock too. He's got a 267 ERA on the season. Yep. Yeah. We had a question in the forum. Uh, did the Padres win big tonight? Uh, Joseph Kitson was jumping in on that one there. Maybe. I mean, they should, they're heavy favorites. Uh, if you, if you uh, look at, uh, Look, look at everything there, but Snell in particular, right now they are minus 275. So yes, they're very heavy favorites. And this is a must win game for the Padres, by the way. I hate to say that in July 25th, but really they're home against the Pirates right before the trade deadline. If they're going to do anything, they need to, they need to win like every winnable game. They lost to the Pirates last night. That was a bad loss. Uh, lost eight, four. They, they just can't be doing that last 60 days for Blake Snell. 0.62 ERA, 103 WHIP. My goodness, yeah, I mean, he's just not hittable right now. 58 innings, 32 hits allowed. 32, Fred. If you own Blake Snell, do you want him traded or not? Heck no. I agree, but Heck but no. he could get traded to like the Braves. He could get maybe he could, maybe in a. I don't care. Scenario, Heck no. He's he in does the, all this on the Braves and gets their offense behind him. I agree with you. I wouldn't want him traded either. Don't mess with him. 
I mean, yeah, you're going to get more wins, but at the cost, at what cost? And you know, he's he's just so grooving right now, and he is a groove type of pitcher. Don't do anything to throw him out of his groove. Of course, that's not the Padres' uh, prerogative. They have to do what's best for them. But heck, no, I don't want him to tell. Most walks in baseball this year, Blake Snell. Yeah, he, he a lot of those were Dylan early. From, it's Dylan Cease from last year, right? Yeah, that was Dylan Cease from last year. He's unhittable, one of the best DRAs. Right at the top for walks. Everybody was saying this isn't sustainable. This yeah. is the second year in a row. We've got a guy way up high in the ERA race who's also up high in the walks race. I will say this. He would be the best pitcher on the market if Otani doesn't get dealt. I like Blake oh, Snell yeah. better than Giolito. Yeah. Although, but that the fact that I'm saying that is also why you should do it because of that perception. I mean, yep. it might not even be true. I mean, he's a lightning in the bottle pitcher too. Like he's a guy who goes on these runs. Mm-hmm. And can also be terrible. So if you're if you're trying to go for it this year, and you're going to trade for a pitcher, like you know what I mean, like like if I took say Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery over the last three or four years, their ERAs may not be that different overall. Yeah. But Blake Snell, when he gets rolling, can be totally dominant, and he's rolling right now. So if you're trading for a pitcher at the trade deadline, and you're trying to win the World Series this year, he's more your guy who you could picture. Right. Just just steamrolling through the rest of the season. Right. But and, and the thing is, you're you're I think a team that's pretty well complete is looking for a guy that's more boomer bust than a guy than mm-hmm. say, for instance, my Reds, our Reds, uh, because they just need someone every five days that can give them some, you know, can give them some length, not get the game give the game over to their terrible bullpen so early. Um and the Dodgers, by the way, Dodgers might be a bad fit for Snell. They just need innings. They they can't get past the fifth inning with any of their starters. So anyhow, I uh, we uh, we owe people the world some reads. So we're going to do that right now. Um, don't want to do it. Felt I owed it to you. Uh, first, quick note from our friends at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now uh, we have to discuss uh, Home Run Forecast Index. Uh, They are a great sponsor, so we'd like to share what they have for us here. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, and boy, do we right now with all this hot weather all over the country. But we never know what all that heat and humidity, cold air is really doing to that ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There's a strong correlation between the index and number of runs scored per game and the whole number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index, 10 for the whole game, average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. Pretty useful information for you prop bettors out there. An index is created for each game, so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game, as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. Again, homerunforecast.com. All right, Fred, let's talk pitching. Uh, there's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, we think that they're doing all right, but they're not. Uh, John Gray is one of them there. He he was rolling earlier. He's not rolling right now. 649 ERA, 179 whip over his last seven starts. Yeah, and, and for me, the concern with Gray, and I have him in a couple of teams that are important to me, including my labor team, I, I've been leaving him in. I think I might have hit my breaking point. He's got a two-start week this week. If that second start doesn't go well, I think it's time to – reevaluate um his era indicators have said all year and especially lately right like they've well sorry they've said all year that he was pitching over his head i didn't want to believe them because he was on my teams and i wanted to say no he's gonna get this sorted out but it's starting to come to roost his strikeout to walk rate's not great uh it's okay it's okay but it's not great in this era um and yeah, the last few games, he struck out six last night. That's the first time since June 7th that he had had more than four strikeouts in mm-hmm. a start. So just very low dominance. Like he's getting, he's averaging over those, that stretch of say his last seven starts, like he's averaging about four strikeouts per start. He's averaging about two and a half walks per start. It's just really hard to be, you know, consistently effective with that kind of strikeout to walk ratio. Absolutely. So. So I am, he's someone I'm definitely worried about um, in a trading league. I'm not sure what you could do with him. You could try to trade him and hope that maybe the person you're trading him to like, doesn't look as much at his recent outings and more looks at the full package. He pitches for a good team and he's got a 366 ERA. Maybe you can get something of value, but I'm worried about him. Yeah, I am too. You know who I'm sick and tired of? Tim Schuler and I both are. Uh, we we share teams together in the NFBC, and we have we have Kenta Maeda. We have a couple other twin stars. I'm sick and tired of the twins. Just sick and tired of them. Anytime we get a win lined up for Maeda, they they find a way to probably blow it. Colton Wong hits yeah. a last strike home run to tie the game last night. Colton Wong, come on, what what in fresh hell is going on here? I mean, that, yeah. I'm so sick and tired of the twins. Uh, I mean. Maeda's looking pretty good. I, I'm, I'm encouraged really by that. But, man, get this guy a win. 
it's true. But overall, now I'll, I'll bring the sunshine in. He does look really good. And if you took, if you were to take out, like he had that one start, three innings, ten runs in April, and then he went on the IL. For yes, two months. he's pitching hurt, obviously. Thanks, obviously. Twins. Yeah. I mean, I so, hate it I mean, when they let a injured him, pitcher hang, hanging out to dry like that. I, I think most people didn't use him for that start. I had I him on a team it. at that point. I didn't I have him in because his previous start, he'd only thrown two innings. So you kind of were worried. And then it was against the Yankees, who at yep. the beginning of the year, we were worried about their facing their offense when Judge was playing and everything. Anyways, um, but since he's come back, like he's been been terrific. And different from John Gray, like he's striking batters out. He had eight last night. He had nine yeah. in his previous start. Um, nine a couple starts before that like this is and Kenta Maeda in his career has had a lot of really good stretches like he's someone with a 114 career whip he's always been a whip asset um this year I guess he hasn't told well he has but it's outside of that one start if we took that one start out again he would have been but uh yeah I'm I'm really really intrigued by him and I met as I, I think I mentioned this last week that the twins you know they didn't get him a win last night but generally the next few weeks they have a lot of favorable matchups for pitchers because their division has so many bad hitting teams in them. And then they have some out to the division matchups against teams like Seattle. that don't hit especially well. Um, Maeda has taken advantage of them. For example, yeah. Sonny Gray is not. But Sonny Maeda, Gray, as Dave Duncan points out, hasn't had a win since April 30th. I'm acutely yeah. aware of all-star well, Sonny Gray not getting those wins, by the way. Um, yeah. He's got, a, he's got 111 watch. innings and a 315 ERA. And he's got four wins this year. Yeah. Go twins. Really love that team. Oh, they're winning their division. They're the most boring to me, least exciting playoff team, like potential playoff team right now. I just feel like, I don't know. They can pitch. They have some pitchers. I just feel like that lineup, unless they make a bunch of changes to it somehow, I just feel like that is a team that is going to make the playoffs and get knocked out. Starting to pull away too, but they're going to do their annual getting bounced by the Yankees thing, probably. By the way, yeah. if the Yankees get to the six, the, the number six spot, uh, and by the way, there is going to be a race to get to six because that means you get to face the Twins or the Guardians. Yep. Um, yeah, you do not want to be fifth because right now that would mean facing the Rays. Yeah, well, maybe you do want to face the Rays. I mean, well, maybe I'd rather face the Twins. I would too, but yeah. I'm just saying the Rays are really damn vulnerable right now until yep. they get they figure until they add some pitching. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty wild watching that there. Yeah. You want to be two also because then, well, no, I do wait. We, we recede for playoffs, right? For baseball. I always forget which sport does. Um, I think does. they do. Either way, two is not a bad spot. Cause if the twins did squeak through, um, then you get them. Like if the, the twins will have home field, right. like if they did squeak through, you would get them in the next round. Right. You know, if not, yeah, if not, I guess it doesn't really matter, but I mean, at least you got a chance to get them. The one seed doesn't. Yeah. So I just feel, yeah, I feel like that American league. I still think the Astros are the team that has the potential to be the best of, of them. I'm, I'm sticking mm-hmm. with my guns on that. If they can get healthy, I agree. Um, but yeah, that is a, that is a jumbled. Any of those teams could get to the world series. They could. I mean, and we saw last year likely. in the national league. I mean, that's yep. the thing about baseball playoff nature of baseball and, the more rounds of playoffs you add, the more likely it is that chaos ensues. Yep. Harder for a team to remain excellent throughout a number of different series. I mean, the Dodgers have lost a series against the Royals and the Braves have lost a series against the A's. It happens. It's baseball. Uh, so the more series you add, the more likely it is you're going to have upsets. And then all of a sudden they're labeled as playoff chokers. It's kind of, it's one of those beautiful yeah. things. That people and and when you only, when you have a league where only two teams are winning 60% of their games so far this year, yep. the Orioles okay. and the Braves, that's it. And the Orioles were just talked about how we're not really sure. 
yeah. how sustainable that is. And so, yeah, but that's it. Every other team has won less than 60% of their games. It's, it's wide open. That's By the fun, way, though. the surging brewers are no longer like that weak sister, uh, three seed in the NL. In fact, they're only, they're, they're 56 and 45. The Dodgers are 57 and 42. So they're like, uh, two mm-hmm. games ahead of the brewers, basically, uh, brewers have played more games, but, uh, Still, uh, they're playing. They're playing good ball lately, and they're gonna. They, they got Corbin Burns going against my Reds again tonight. Can I tell you how sick and tired I am of Corbin Burns and Christian Yelich too? Uh, just be gone. Get out of there. I don't want to see you ever again. Except that as a Reds fan, and this kind of caught me by surprise because it came at the expense of other teams. But we've now reached the point where the NL Central could get two playoff berths. Yeah, like, right. Like it's the Marlins and the Diamondbacks' huge stumbles, and and then the Giants a bit of a stumble like predictable teams, in all three, by the way. I think. Yeah. But they've all, yeah, but they've stumbled so quickly that they've come back and all at once. Like yeah. I didn't see like last 10 games, the Marlins and the Diamondbacks are both two and eight. Like the odds of that happening at the exact same time, your two wildcard leaders um, are pretty slim. And then the giants, like you said, on a bit of a losing streak and all of a sudden the reds are the top wildcard team. So all of a sudden, if you're a Reds fan, you want to catch the Brewers, but if you don't catch the Brewers, you're like, well, it's all right. We can get in, you know, now we're in this big pile of teams with the Diamondbacks and the Phillies and the Marlins. And I still think the Phillies are going to get one of those wild card spots. We'll see how it all shakes out, but they've kind of come back. And I think that's a pretty good roster. I think it's better than some of the rosters that are just now slightly ahead of them. Yeah. Brewers have absolutely owned the Reds this year. Took three out of four in Cincy the first time, swept them in Cincy right after the break, took two out of three in Milwaukee right before the all-star break. And now they won last night. It was funny. They taunted Ellie De La Cruz after the home, robbed home run, and then he hit one to West Dallas. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that w- that was that was excellent. But they still won. Sal Fralick homered. Uh, Diaz had a bad, rare bad night. And I just, yeah, Christian Yelich, be gone. He just owns the Reds. I just don't want to see him anymore. Y- you won't like this comment, but um, in a in a new baseball reality where there's fewer divisional games and everything's more fair. And even it is kind of cool to see maybe one team actually win their division because they stomped on the team that was right beside them. Like if you take out their head to head record, the reds are in first place in that division for sure by, by a few games. Yeah. So if the brewers were to win the division and then at the end of the year, you can go back and say they, they beat the reds because they beat the reds. We don't cool see in the abstract, team. not cool in the specific reference. That's here. Right. How about that? That's right. That's right. And, um, and it's me as not a Reds or Brewers fan, probably liking them about the same. I think Milwaukee's an okay team to cheer for. Sorry. Um, no, but... sorry. It's okay. I, I, I don't hate the Brewers. Um, no. there, there's really only one team I hate, and we talked about them in detail last week, and that's Cardinal Devil Magic. I, there I you think go. The Cardinals. Um, I respect them. Really respect them, but they've been yeah. lording over to the division for 20 years now, so I'm sick of them. Yeah. Um, that's the team I hate. Um, all right. Detroit Tigers. Got two pitchers on the list I want to talk about. Uh, Tarek Skubal pitched great against the Giants yesterday. Michael Lorenzen pitching well this month. All-star Michael Lorenzen um, about to become former Tiger Michael Lorenzen is my bet. If the Tigers don't trade him at the deadline, it's a massive fail in my opinion. Agreed. And that's, again, that's not what you want if you have Michael Lorenzen because he's he's grooving right now with the Tigers and he's not that good. So yeah. you'd rather have him stay. I would rather not have him go to another team. But yeah, I, I noted that he is the only qualified pitcher to not have allowed a run yet in July. Three July starts, uh, hasn't allowed a run in any of them. Uh, his opponents in those starts, Oakland, Seattle, Kansas City. 
So, but whatever, you know what? Part of being good in fantasy is taking advantage of the matchups when they're presented yep. to you. So for those who picked up Michael Lorenzen or made sure they started him, you know, good for them. Uh, you know, he's, yeah. he's won when he won all three of those games, even with the Tigers pitiful offense behind him. Uh, so he's done what he needed to do when he can do it. And now when he has some tougher matchups, if you don't want to start him, that's fine. But uh, yeah, he's been really good. I don't know if he's a, I don't think I don't still have him really as an every week starter, although I have him on a few teams and most weeks I find myself rolling him out just because I, there's no starting pitching on the waiver wire. Tarek Skubal, on the other hand, he's exciting. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Take out that one start, his second to last one, when he gave up seven runs against the Royals, which is really weird. Um, but his other three starts, he didn't allow any runs. Strikeout rate's good. He's got a 23 to three right now in 17 innings. He was doing well last year before he got hurt. I think he's a really interesting, you know, young pitcher. I bid heavily on him in all of my leagues when he came back. Now I had leagues where I got him and then I had other leagues where I didn't have the fab left to get him. Um, but I, where that's, I could, that's my experience as well. Yeah. I, I went hard after him. I just felt like on the pitching front that there's no one else coming on the waiver wire with, the, with his skill level the rest of the season. We're going to see, that. you know, like, like the really electric prospects have already been called up. I just, I just don't think unless you get a weird drop in your league or someone drops someone, they shouldn't. But in general, I, when he came up, I thought this is, this is probably the last chance to get someone who could have like a really high strikeout rate and, and low ratios. I don't know what the win total will be like on the tigers and he's probably not going anywhere. So, but anyways, I think he's someone who's really exciting. I would, I would, I'm thinking this is close. I would rather have him over my right now. Interesting. Jumping back to some that, that's a that's a pretty strong endorsement. It's close. It's close, but I think yeah. I would take him. The only re I might be getting a little too hyped on him because he's so much younger. Like maybe he'll have yeah. some, like he's coming back from a major injury. Maybe he'll have some, like you know, once he gets a little more workload built up, maybe he'll tire a bit. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm excited about him right now. Tigers sneakily have some good starting pitching. Yeah, I, I know we've spent some time in bandwidth on him before, and we jinxed the heck out of him the last time we, we did. did. Uh, but Skubal, Erod, Lorenzen, Matt Manning, even Reese Olsen, even Alex Fiedo had a good outing over the weekend uh, in a spot start uh, after just a pretty bad campaign prior to that. But you know, this is this is a team that's kind of fun, um, at least in some respects. Spencer when Torkelson they're, they're is fun when they're not up to bat. Yeah, well, Spencer Torkelson's kind of getting it. Riley Green's interesting. Okay, that's the list. All right, that's yeah. now Kerry Carpenter. I can I can squint and see some interest in him too, but. Uh, yeah, it's not great. Uh, otherwise, there and you know, I, I'd rather see build a team with offense than than pitching, uh, than young pitching because I just think that they, you know, young pitchers get hurt so much. It's just, it's just, it's not as exciting when a team doesn't hit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Watching Tigers games right now, still no thank you. <laughs> Maybe the Scoobal starts or the Erod starts. That's about it. Uh, the Javi Baez signing is just such a just looming over them. I feel like as far as like, like he was supposed to be with what they were paying him, like a guy hitting in the top three in that lineup. And yep. He's like, it's kind of what got the previous GM fired, right? Yeah. Avila fired. Um, and it's, it was the last straw. Let's be honest. I mean, there's plenty of other stuff, uh, but you know, that is when you have a finite number of big name signs, you get it wrong. It really hurts. And that pretty much describes the tigers. So. Yeah, that one's just a killer. Like the year before they signed him, 31 homers, 18 steals. He's never been a big on-base guy, but 31 and 18. And then since then, like this season, like he might finish the season with like 
a dozen homers. Mm-hmm. Like that's so, and I, I'm based, you know, he's at 262 right now. Like it's so bad for what he's making. And through 2028, that one's going to hang around. I think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going out that far on a limb to say, I think they'll end up cutting him before his contract ends. Cause at some point they'll want to win. froze there for a second there you go you're back uh, i thought was this heavy bias did this heavy bias take that controversial i have froze jeff in his tracks Broke me out i thought i was saying something common sense they're going to cut heavy bias when he's about 32 and they decide they need to turn the corner but uh yeah i don't know when the tigers will turn the corner by the way because i don't know when that lineup unless they just sign a ton of players is going to turn around they got to hit on some pro- hitters in the draft I mean, that's do. really what they did, have to do yeah. um, and uh, and trade for prospects and do what kind of what the Reds have done, what yep. the Orioles have done. Uh, it, it's the route for them. Um, yep. They're not going to do it through the free agent market. They have to go another way. Uh, I want to save some time uh, to talk about your, your general topic. You contributed to a good article on CBS right now uh, uh, by Scott White. He uh, you, uh, talking about the de- decline in trading in our fantasy leagues. It's not just in baseball, but in our fantasy leagues. Seems like there's fewer trades than ever. Yeah, and this was Scott's initiative. He talked about it on the CBS podcast a few times that he feels like he's getting fewer trade offers last few years and making fewer trades the last few years. And he also feels like less optimistic about trading. Less he talks about that in the article. Um, you know, when he used to get a few ten years ago or whatever, when he would see an email saying you've got a trade offer, you know the heart rate would rise. Oh, I got a trade offer now. It, now he says he he's more of a negative Nancy about those, where he's like, oh, uh, all right, let's open this and see what kind of garbage they're throwing at me today. And um, he kind of wondered if this is the same experience that other people are having because I've made so many trades over the years. He reached out to me and we talked for a while, and then he put together his article. Um, and he had a lot of other comments from a lot of other uh just you know random fantasy baseball owners who tweeted at him when he started to talk about it on twitter and uh yeah it was really interesting i think to see where it's gone with trading and i think it is connected with how much statistical information we all have now and how unified some of the opinions are yeah i think that's part of it yeah uh, I think part of it's, you know, you know, it, I think your mileage may vary. I think if you're in leagues where you've been together for a long time, we're all getting older, you have more kids, you know, we get yep. busy. <laughs> I think that that's part of it. Article. Yep. Yeah. I also think there's this, the outlook. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned everybody has more information that can work both ways. I mean, I think the idea of trading is that I have a surplus of this and a need for that you, and you vice versa. Uh, I, I honestly think that, Part, you know, there's a mentality out there. You got to win the trade. Well, if you're going to, and I think if you come into it with that, then you're, you know, that's a problem. Um, because you know, it's good. People are, that's, that's where that the, the more information our fingertips comes into play. I mean, if you come into it, like, Hey, I need help on this. You need help on that. Instead of trying to like chiseling for every single morsel of value and trying to beat the other person in a trade. That's not going to get it done, and it's going to create hard feelings. I mean, there are people that I've dealt with before on this, and I just don't want to deal with them again because of that. Because they like, oh, I, well, I can't let you win this trade. Like, well, then what are we doing here? You know, it's not. It's I'm not trying to get a windfall, but I'm also saying, 
you know, I, I think some people feel like, well, I'm in, I'm a contending team and you're rebuilding. I need to win the trade. You know, you're getting, you, you don't need to get more future value and this year value. I mean, it's just, and I, I dealt with that in the score sheet league. I dealt with the owner one time that that gave me that line. I'm like, oh, you, you, you're, you're misunderstanding the power dynamic here. Um, it's, it's supposed to be a mutually beneficial deal. It's not supposed to be a exert my power over you sort of trade. Yep, that's true. I, I think so. I've I've heard that. I've heard that from Scott Pianowski a lot. I've heard it now from Scott White a lot. People saying that you know that people and we're saying more that owners are, ira- are like not irrational, but yeah, always always going for the jugular, always not realistic, whatever. And mm-hmm. I sometimes I step back and I think about that. and I'm like, wait a minute. If they're all bad traders, then we're all bad traders, <laughs> right? Like like we're part of the group. We're part of the everyone. We can't yeah. be like everyone but me. Oh, and I've made uh, every single mistake that's listed in every trade article yeah. about the do's and don'ts. I've done all the don'ts, almost all the don'ts. I yeah. haven't colluded. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, it, I do think the information hurts it. I do think more people are, you know, there's more group think maybe on some of the things. But like you said, like it should be more, oh, you need a closer. I can get you a closer. Um, I do think that people, I've always found that people are fairly rigid with training, trading. I, there's not many people who want to think way outside the box and be like, yeah. oh, you need a closer. I can get you a closer. I don't have a closer to spare, but I'll trade you a closer anyways and because you need a closer. And if I can get what I think is good value from you. So you need a closer. I really like this guy. If you'll give me that guy, I will give you your closer, even though I don't have a closer to spare. Now I'm down a closer, but I got a guy I like. So now I'm going to go out and make a second deal or yep. I'm going to go trade a guy I don't like as much for a different closer. So I've lost a closer and gained a closer, but I've, and I've lost a hitter, but I've gained a hitter that I like better. That took some time and effort and two trades, but I think now I've made my roster better. I don't feel like a lot of people want to put in that level of creativity to it. Um, which maybe bogs it down sometimes. And effort. And, it's yes, effort. Oh, it's time. And Scott talks about that. And Scott's kids are younger than mine. Um, but like, yeah, it's that like once once you're really busy, you were talking about, you know, the like podcasts and uh, you know, and serious shows and soccer coaching and driving around and all these things. And that so the time to do all of that is uh is hard to find. And then I also mentioned to Scott and he put in the article, the more teams we own the harder it is to make trades because yep. the less likely you are to really sit down and really know your league to the point where you're like, okay, I, I, I'm going to make, I'm going to make this move and then I'm going to go and make that move. And then I'm going to yep. go make that move. So yeah, there was a time where I was doing that more, not doing it as much right now. I would like to get back at some point to doing it again. Um, I still think people are fine when you go at them to trade. I think we should be better communicators than we've ever been. There's more, ways to communicate rapidly than there were 10 years ago. So we should be better at trade communication than we've ever been. I don't know if we are or not, but we should be as far as like, yep. you know, the, when you send an offer and then you just get no response. That's, that is really deflating when that happens. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Especially if you feel like it was a fair or at least close to fair offer. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. absolutely right about yeah. that. But anyways, I think it's an interesting read and it's kind of Scott venting and not wanting to see trading go away. He wants to see trading live and just you know remain you know be prominent be better uh it's not like he's saying his final conclusion is just get rid of trading it's it's no i want trading we just got to figure out how to do it the best way possible yep some good comments in the forum for people are streaming along with us here 
you know, uh, Joseph says trades also come down to what kind of type of league you're in dynasty points, head to head, you know, that, that matters pay league versus free league. Joel says, you know, he doesn't have kids, but still work life fantasy balance. That's tough for him. You know, it's tough for every, you know, trying to balance everything. I mean, you and I play in a lot, a lot of leagues and that's also part of it there. Uh, and then especially if certain leagues you get inundated, uh, there, there are some people, some teams that are like over trade over frequently trade offering. And you know, like, dude, it's April 14th. I'm, I'm not against trading in April, but I might be, I might not be wanting to get something every day. It's like, yeah, I, I don't think you're required to have come back with a counter offer. Sometimes people say that I'm like, no, I didn't ask for a trade offer in the first place. If you requested, you know, you know, Hey, I'm looking for something. Hey, I'm looking for a closer. And someone comes at you with a trade offer that you don't like it. Okay. Then you probably are. It's incumbent on you to at least take a look closer to see if there's a counter, but uh, you know, as opposed to something completely unsolicited. I don't think you need a counter offer. I think you do, unless the thing is like just communication. You need a counter comment. I was going to say a counter comment. This doesn't work for me because boom, you know, I really, I'm really not a believer in the guy you're sending me or whatever. Or I, I I feel like I can't part with a starting pitcher, but like it, it should come with, I've always said that, um, when I write the trading articles for Yahoo, I've always said that a good trade offer in the comment section is short and it should have a question in it, which then encourages the person to reply back. So if I'm sending a trade offer, it might say, you know, if, if you're not interested in player X, you know, I, I, I've got extra infielders. If you're not in player X, could you please name a couple infielders on my roster that you feel like you may be, you know, average or high in mar- compared to market value on something like that. Like, sure. so I'm asking the person to give me just something back. Could you just look at my roster and name a couple infielders that you're like, yeah, yeah, I like that guy. And then maybe I can give you a counter offer with one of them in it. If you don't like that guy, or maybe you come back and you're like, no, actually I like player X. I just don't like what I'm giving up for sure. And then, sure. and then again, so I've always said, put a question in there. I think when people just do the decline, no comment, no nothing, I, like what I think you can do it, but I think it's better if you want to have an active league. Um, like I have an article coming out tomorrow about trading with teams near the bottom of the standings. And, you know, my thought on that is yes, you trade with teams at the bottom of the standings in the summer, because if teams in the bottom of the standings can't trade, then like, what are they going to do? They're yeah. going to quit. They're going to quit. Well, and, and they're and, going to impact your league a whole different way because they're going to quit. Worse. And then, yeah. Uh, yes. And people are going to pass them in the standings. You're going to be like, oh, that guy just gained two points on me because he passed two dead teams last night in home runs because they're not doing their lineups. If you want them to do their lineups, you need to leave them open still all the avenues of roster improvement, mm-hmm. which is trading up until the deadline. So Indeed. you don't try to take it. I say you trade ethically. You don't try to take advantage of the people in last place. But right. If you say to them, like, hey, you got you can gain points and saves. Here, I can give you a closer. I'm looking for And them. not all last places are are the same either. Um right. too. I mean, there's there's closer compact standings. There's also penalties for last place in some leagues. Yes. So there's you know encouraging people to try to get out of la- you know out of that there. Of course, because you want more activity in the league. And that that's that's the you whole want, point. Yes. Cause I when people will say, like, oh, I'm I'm done, I'm just gonna get out of the way and not impact the league the rest of the season. Well, no, as soon as you get out of the way, you do impact the league because yep. you, you now the waiver wire becomes abundant for the few teams that are competing and maybe someone's saved his fab. And now you're taking that, that benefit away from him because you quit trying and, or in head to head, now you're just losing matches. 
If you refuse really... to choose, you still have made a choice. I've heard that's right. Some Canadian so, band. So, right. There you, uh, go. there you go. So we want we want people trying and trading is part of trying. So teams in the last couple spots in your league, they can still trade yep. uh, as long as and you can make them offers. Hey, but, but but be a little ethical about it. Don't just be like, hey, you've probably quit caring. How about you give me your best player for my 12th best player? Exactly. Hey, the yeah. dog is barking. He needs to go outside. I think this is a good time to break it off. Fred, good, good stuff as always. Uh, looking forward to doing this again with you next week, right on the trade deadline. Sounds good. Can't wait. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.